The world is changing. Everything has shifted, including how we relate to each other. We hear, but we do not listen. We're together, but feel alone. We speak, but struggle to communicate. It doesn't have to be this way. We can all adjust the way we relate to one another. Well, good morning, everybody. Hello, Rob. How you doing? Yeah. Wake up, buddy. All right. Good. Good. Must have been a night shift, huh? Had a night shift? Hey, it's great to see everybody. Thanks for being here today. We're on the last weekend of relationships, uh, but before we go there, I just want to bring up the food drive a second. And I'm not sure if Steve said go time, it's go time, or if he said it's goat time. And so I'm thinking, you know, I don't want to be alone in this wonderful privilege of kissing a goat. So how many of you think that Steve should also... (laughs) Pucker up, buttercup. So I also just need to, I, I need to bring this up because I've been holding on to resentment, I think, for a while. You know, a, a couple of years ago, we did the food drive, and it was us against the kids. Remember that? And it was for kissing a pig. And that's a lot scarier than kissing a goat. Goats are kind of small mouth, kind of cute. You know what I mean? They, they don't, like, bite your face off. And these big pigs, they can do some damage. And so uh, I ended up having to kiss the pig, but I want to tell you why. And I found this out afterwards. That's because some of you were taking your canned goods over to Kids Place and were trying to help them win. In fact, a, a friend of mine actually asked them on the last count day, how far, Tim, how far, how far ahead is, or how far behind is Kids Place? And they told him, and he went out and bought groceries and brought them over, so I lost, and I had to kiss a pig. Okay, so I don't want that to happen this year. It's a sin. It's a sin. <laughs> It's a sin for you to do that. You are my people. You are adults. You are mine, okay? Not theirs. All right. Tell your kids that, too. They cannot have your canned goods. It is fun, though. I mean, my daughter has a couple of little goats that I gave her, and so I I picked my goat out. I know which one I'm going to kiss because they know me. I already have a relationship. I don't feel like I'm going to be, you know, sinning or anything like that. I'm grab the goat by the ears. Oh, kiss the goat. All right. Have I ever mentioned that I'm a grandpa? Have I said that? Once or twice? So there's my grandgirls. And I show you this picture just to say that this is the only time I've ever seen them do this in two years. You know, usually they're fighting, they're competitive. And for some reason, they wanted to love each other. And so they hugged each other. So we have hope. And we're hanging on to this picture as proof of how it could be in their relationship. Uh, you know, to be fair, they play together every day, they're around each other every day, they're in each other's space and face and all that. You know how it is, right? So a lot of fighting is going on. Why? Because they both want what they want. They both want the, what they want, they'll do whatever they can to get it. And it always surprises me that all the toys strewn around the living room mean nothing to either one of them until the other one picks one up. And then, right? And then it becomes like, I must have that toy. I must have that thing, whatever it is, and they'll fight to get it. And I would love to tell you today that I thought we outgrew this tendency as we get older. 
but I don't think so. I, I, I see this all the time in my life, in the life of my friends. My observation is that we just get more refined in how we scheme to get the thing that we want, right? Or the attention that we want or what have you. Uh, I was talking with a business owner this week and we were talking about employees and managing employees. And in his business, there's a lot of employees. And he was saying his observation was that really things don't change as your people get older. They, they really still have a, a basic sense of being self-centered. And I would say that's just being human. That's us, right? We are human. We are self-centered. And so that's what we want to talk about today. I want to close this series by just talking with us about how we can possibly have the best relationships, the best friendships, the best work environment that we possibly can have. Because we all want what we want. We all want that thing. We all want people to understand our values. We all want people to do it our way. We all have this, this sense of what is right and how things should be done. And I'm going to give that a term this morning. I'm going to call it your uppermost. Okay, write that down. It's a great word. I heard it last week at a counseling seminar. Uppermost. It's, it's really what all of us want in order for our life to be orderly, to, be, to work, in order for, for us to feel good about what's happening in our life or at our work. Uppermost, okay? It's what drives us. It's how we think things should be. It's what we think is right. It's what we think is fair. Well, I've got news for you today. Everybody has an uppermost. Yours isn't the only uppermost. And so we all begin to battle in conflict with everybody else's uppermost. Our idea of how it should be done, their idea of how it should be done. I mean, it's in marriage, right? Try loading the dishwasher sometime. Men, try loading the dishwasher sometime. I load the dishwasher, and then my wife comes along behind me and reloads the dishwasher because her way is the right way. Hope you're listening, honey. I just <laughs> threw you under the big bus. You know, it happens at work. What's more important? Is, is sales more important or is, um, you know, HR, government compliance? What's more important? Well, if you ask HR person, they'll say compliance. If you ask sales, they'll say, well, if we didn't have sales, we wouldn't have a business, right? And so then throw in personalities. Some people love rules. Some people don't love rules and everything in between. And so we have conflict. And I just want to share a little bit with you today about what I believe we can do to help us um, love better, to help us maybe even have, have better relationships wherever it, wherever it is that you might be struggling. Um, but conflict really does arise when we live our life to get what we want, to get our uppermost. When that becomes the focus, when it, when it becomes about me, um, if I approach my relationships with just me in mind, getting my way, getting my goal accomplished, getting my needs met, uh, there's going to be some conflict. You know, and then we get passive aggressive with people and we send these silent messages and we withdraw, we isolate or we put up these walls around our hearts and people can feel it. They know. Your spouse knows when you're gaslighting. I mean, they know when you are putting up walls. They can feel it. They can sense it. And pretty soon what happens is uh, they don't trust anymore that you have their best interest in mind. That's what happens. It happens in the workplace. It happens in our homes happens in our friendships. And so the question I want to ask you today is, what if we did have the other's best interest in mind? What if instead of just about my uppermost, what if we made it about your uppermost? Like, it can be both. It can be both. Now, sometimes there have to be some compromise. There may be some conflict to work out. But what if my goal was to see you achieve your uppermost? And what if your goal was to see one another achieve their uppermost? 
And what if we made that at least part of the goal of our life? So this last uh, week on relationships, we're going to be shifting from self-centeredness, making life all about me, over to how can I give myself, from self-centeredness to giving self to you and all of us to one another and to your interests. And why would we do this? Well, I believe it really does make our relationships better. I believe Christ is glorified when we can love other people well. And I believe that, you know, friendships just work better when you start to take an interest and make life about not just you, but about them as well. And so when I begin to shift toward giving myself to others, I begin to add value to their lives to bless them, guess what happens? They begin to respond. You apply a steady pressure of, you know, intentional um, being interested in others, uh, wanting them to achieve their goals, uh, wanting to understand why, the, why they do the things they do. You apply that for long enough, and they will begin to shift as well. But here's the thing. Somebody has to go first. I always like to say the more mature person goes first. So if you want to be mature, then you're the one who gets to go first in that. And the goal is, the goal simply is to warm them up, to live life in a way, to add value to the lives of others in a way that you begin to warm them up and break through some of the self-protection that all of us have around our hearts, okay? So most of you know I have this routine. It goes like this. I get up, I make some coffee, have my devotions, I go for a run, and here's the part you don't know, and that is I have a Bowflex machine in my garage. There it is, and that's where I get my 10-minute workout. My, my goal is not to become massive at this age. My goal is to simply be able to walk and lift things like my grandkids. That's my goal. So let me tell you something I learned about Bowflex this year. Bowflex it has these rods. You can see the rods. They bend, and you hook into the rods, and that's what provides the resistance to your lifting, Right? I have noticed, because I, I lift early in the morning, that when it's cold out, when it gets colder, it's harder to lift. The rods stiffen up, there's more resistance, and you can't lift as much as you did when it was warm out. In fact, uh, one morning last week, and this is what, what caught my attention, one morning last week I missed my morning workout, and so that afternoon I got home from work, I thought I'll do my 10-minute workout, and it was 83 degrees out. Man, I, I got strong all of a sudden. I was able to lift those puppies, and that, it was great. You know, I like doubled my strength. And, and then I started to think about it, and I thought, you know what? It's the fact that these are warmer now, that they don't offer as much resistance. And so I can lift more. I can get more done. And I began to think about relationships, because every pastor uses everything in life to be an illustration. <laughs> Just ask my kids, right? So I got to thinking about relationships. I got to thinking about what warms people up. I got to thinking about what makes people responsive. And how is it if somebody has a, a protection around their heart or they've been hurt in life and they're, and they're guarding their heart, how is it that possibly I can win them over and I can help them to become more responsive and easier to work with? What makes people more responsive and flexible? What makes people believe that, that we really do care for them? So those are the things I want to talk about this morning. And I'm telling you that if you do this, if you begin to employ these things in your life, which many of you are already, um, you'll find out you can have a better marriage, better friendships, better work environment. I mean, it's all better when we work at being less self-centered and we work at giving ourselves to others. So you ready for this? All right, here we go. Philippians 2, would you turn there, please? Philippians 2. We're going to start out in verses 1 through 4. So here we go, Philippians 2. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Is there any comfort from his love? 
any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. I want you to notice he doesn't say lose all your own interests. He says don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And that leads me to number one in your notes today. Number one is this. We warm people up when we take an interest in them. This is such a great place to start. Can you become a person that just expresses more interest in the life of the, of the people that you work with or, or your spouse or your family? Can you grow in that area? I know I can. I get distracted. Like if I'm stressed or busy, I can blow by people. And, and it's not nice. It's not friendly. And so um, do other people really feel that I take the time and that I really am interested in them? You see, because we tend to think that life's all about us. It's about what we're going through. It's about our stress. We know how things should go. We know what we value. But then there's that person in our life who has other values and who has other ways of doing things and who has other stressors in their life. And the question we're asking is, are they worth being interested in? Is it worth it to express an interest in them in their life? Paul's saying it like this. Do you have any compassion? Is there any warmth in your heart? then take an interest in others and care about what they think. Now, I know that it's easier to do that with the people you love because, you know, there's, there's payoff, you know, that there, there's going to be ongoing relationship. But what about the difficult person? Let's talk just for a couple of minutes about the difficult person. And we each have a difficult person or two in our life. That's simply the one who's a little bit harder to love, EGR, right? Extra grace required. And by the way, I just want to mention, you might be that difficult person to somebody. I know I am. I can be very difficult in my life. You might find that hard to believe. I know. I know. But it's true. You know, Megan Taylor, many of you know Megan. She was our receptionist for years and years. And she's delightful, right? And so she gave me last year this world's greatest dad jokes. And so every day that I'm there and she's there and um, if I get a little stressed or I have a tough counseling appointment, I'll look up a, a joke and I'll walk out to the front desk and I'll try it out on her. And she always laughs, whether it's good, bad. I mean, she just always laughs, right? So she's made me feel really good about myself. I'm I'm like, I'm a funny guy. I am a funny guy. So I just want to say that not everybody thinks that and not everybody feels that way. Now we have Amy and Tara working reception. And so I still, I go out with my dad joke and try it on them. And oftentimes I get an eye roll, like I get, you know. Like that. Well, let me just, let me read a couple. You be the judge of this. Uh, how do you make chicken salad wrap? Add some fresh beets. <laughs> See why the eyes roll? Uh, how, do you keep, how do you keep a bagel from getting away? You put locks on it. <laughs> Come on. That's good. <laughs> Okay, you can't work for me. None of you can work for me. What do you call a parade of rabbits hopping backwards? Come on. Come on, Lynn. A receding hairline. A receding hairline. Come on, that's good. So I am that person 
to some of the people on my staff. So I have to, I'm making it my goal to win them. I've got to win them over. So I'm going to keep working at it. I'm going to keep, I'm going to find the best jokes. I had Jeremy telling me jokes this morning to, for his wife. You know, he's, he's like, she laughs at this one. So, okay, I'll try that one. Okay. But especially if you're working with people, I mean, it's so important that we work hard. I know that's a silly example, but that we work hard to warm people up and, and to win people over and to build bridges and to build relationships with people. And here's the thing. You don't know what a person's been through. You can't see their life. You don't know how they've been hurt in life. You don't know why they might have their defenses up. You don't know what their triggers are. And so steady pressure of being... Um, of warming them up is important. So I'm going to give you some six, uh, six different things that you can work on this morning. I just want to tell you, this is worth about six weeks of counseling. So if you were paying me, this would be very, very expensive. So here's number one. Ready? If you do these things, I guarantee your relationships will be impacted for the better. Here's number one. Be tender and compassionate. Paul wrote this. Be tender and compassionate. Really, what that means is check your own heart. I have found that, that I protect my own heart as well. I put up guards around my heart. I don't want to be rejected. So sometimes it's me, and I have to say, okay, um, am I harboring resentment, or am I feeling at risk? And so then I have to check my own heart if I'm insecure, and I need to make sure that my heart is tender toward any person, right? Any person, every person. So be tender and compassionate. Uh, Basically, if my heart has become guarded, then I can unguard it. I can choose whether or not I have a tender and compassionate heart. I chose to guard it. I can choose to take the guard down. I can choose to put myself out there and to risk again. That's important for us to know. It's your choice whether or not you are tender and compassionate. Okay, that's number one. Secondly, shift away from self-centeredness toward giving yourself. This just simply means find some ways to give yourself to the difficult person. Find your ways to build a bridge. Find some ways to serve them. Find some ways just to try to understand them. Be intentional. And if you do this long enough, the hope is that somebody will warm up eventually and you'll build some bridges in their life. Let me give you the fastest way to a person's heart, I believe. I believe it's through words of affirmation. Yeah, who said food? Was that you? Yeah, that works for some people. Uh, Words of affirmation. Because they're free, you can say them anytime. Uh, Just notice something you enjoy about a person or notice something you appreciate about a person and just say, hey, I noticed that you did this or I like the way you did that. And I think a steady pressure of words of affirmation will eventually cause somebody to warm up and be responsive. So I think that's the quickest way to warm people up. Third thing, be committed to working together with one purpose. These are all out of that passage I just read, by the way. So this morning, you're enjoying a service here. And uh, the things that are obvious you can see, like the worship team and the greeters and and me and Steve and different people, you can see. But what you don't see is the audio video team. And they're up there. They're up there faithfully all the time. They come here at 7 o'clock. They mix the live stream. They mix the sound. They run the lights. They run the cameras. They do all the things. They change the slides, right, the media. And you were able to enter into worship today because of the work they do. Like when, when the words don't go up, you notice right? Why? You notice because you can't sing if the words don't go up, right? So you can't join into that unified worship response. And so their job is very, very, very important. Now, I don't put a lot of time into obsessing about tech stuff. Like, I don't think about tech stuff, but I can tell you I appreciate the tech team 
And I can really appreciate it if it didn't work and it works. You know what I mean? So I love, love, love the tech team because they partner with all of us who disciple people. All of us who worship Jesus together, they are partnering with one mind and one purpose. So I love them, okay? Now the fourth thing, be humble. See the significance of another person. Uh, we tend to value people because of what they can do for us. That, that's sort of how we operate. If, if you can do something for me, then I'll value, find value in you. I want to say to you there's a, a deeper, more meaningful reason to, um, to value people, and that is simply that they are image bearers of God. God has put his image into each one of us. And to not value his image in us or in somebody is to really not value his image. And so we need to be diligent about working on this, that, that we see God in every follower of Christ. And we see his image in every created person because they're all made in his image. So even when they're not saved, we should still value and recognize the significance of somebody that God made in his image. And I would say that instead of um, focusing on what somebody can do for us, why don't we focus on simply what we can enjoy about somebody? And I have found there's something I can enjoy about every person. Every person has something I can enjoy. And, you know, maybe even tell them what it is. Appreciate it and tell them. I, I hope that there's something about me that you enjoy, you know, and there is something about you that I enjoy as well. The fifth thing, take a real interest in another person. Take a real interest, especially if they're a difficult person. Now, last week I had coffee with Thomas, who serves up there, and I, I just want to go on record to say that Thomas is not a difficult person, <laughs> because I kind of linked those, see what I did there? Um, and Thomas works on tech team, so we pass on Sunday mornings, we don't talk a lot, and he asked me out for coffee, and I said, yeah, I'd love to go. And I've got to tell you, spending an hour having coffee with Thomas, sharing story, um, I left a richer person. I left a better person for knowing Thomas. And I left uh, with my life enriched because he was interested in me and I was interested in him and we shared some common ground. And it just built up our relationship. We, I think that we see each other a little differently today than we did before last week. So thank you for that, Thomas. Loved my time with you. And the last thing is to give yourself to serve another. Find ways to serve. Find ways to give because that's what Jesus did. When you think about Jesus... You know, the Bible says that the Son of Man came to serve and not be served, right? When you think about him, that really encapsulates his life. And he did it because he loved us. But he carried out his love for us through acts of service. He fed people. He healed people. He cast demons out of people. He turned the water to wine for people. I mean, he did a lot of acts of service for people. And then he went to the cross and gave up his life for people. And then he rose from the dead and came back to life for people. I mean, the list goes on and on of the ways that Jesus warmed people up to a relationship with him. And that's why he did it. He did it for relationship. That's the best reason to try to win somebody's heart or try to win somebody over. It's simply relationship. It's friendship. Let's go on in Philippians 2, finish up this passage today. Verse 5. Here's how Jesus warmed people up. Paul says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. I think we sometimes feel like we're 
like God, you know, in the way that we live our lives, treat people, you know, want our way. I think we can relate to that. And Jesus didn't hang on to that. He, he gave that up. He was God. <laughs> and he gave it up. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Number two in your notes, Jesus showed us the way to warm people up. How did he do that? I want to take you through uh, three things that Jesus did. First, this is in the passage I just read. He gave up his privileges. This was his attitude. And Paul says, you must have the same attitude that Jesus had. This was Jesus' attitude. What can I give so that you can live? What can I give so that you can live? And I think that would be a great mantra for me in the morning when I get up. When I think about people I'm going to do life with today, you know, what can I give so that they can live? And Jesus gave up his privileges and had this attitude of, I'm, I'm going to give it all. And I think this is a great, great question to ask ourselves about, about our spouse, about our kids, about our parents, about our workmates, about our friends. What can I give so that they can live? In other words, what value can I add to your life that will make you have a better day today than you would have had without me? What can I do to enrich your day? What can I speak? What can I say? What can I do that will add value to your life? So that's the first thing. Second thing is Jesus humbly pursued us by entering our condition. I really want you to think about this. This is in the passage I just read. Jesus became one of us. Think about that. When, when you think about your approach to people, how interested are you becoming or understanding what they're like and what they've been through? Jesus took that to the, the max, right? He did that fully. He became one of us, and he knows us because he became us. We call it empathy, truly understanding what somebody is going through or has been through. And we can do that as well. Now, we can't you know, become another person, but we can listen to their story. We can empathize. We can enter in. We can make sense of why somebody is the way they are. Is somebody guarded in your life? Is somebody self-protective around you? Well, then enter in to their condition. Find out what is it about what they've been through that I could understand, that I could you know, help to warm up in their life. We can warm somebody up by seeking to understand their condition and then empathizing with them. Realize that there are reasons people are the way they are. There's reasons why they have their guard up. They are insecure. I'm insecure. You may not realize that about me. I am. I'm insecure. And so when we can understand that about somebody, when we can know them, when we can see them, when we can enter into their condition, we cannot judge them or discard them because they're a little resistant, then maybe like my Bowflex, they'll trust and they'll warm up as you make things a little bit warmer. And then the third thing, Jesus embraced being understood. He allowed himself to be seen as a common criminal. This just blows my mind. Jesus was God. He was God. And it's one thing to give your life, and it's one thing to be put to death, but to do it in a regal way, you know, or a kingly way. But he didn't do it in a kingly way. He allowed himself to be judged like a common criminal and hang between criminals to be misunderstood and then to be killed on a cross. 
And, and I guess what I want to say to you today is that Jesus was willing to do that for the sake of relationship. That's why he did it. He did it for the sake of relationship, that he could bring us to himself, that he could bring us home with him one day. And, and so he was willing to do it for relationship. And here's what I want to say to you. When it comes to pursuing somebody who, who is maybe not a likely person for you to pursue, maybe it's your difficult person, don't worry about what people think about that. Be willing to befriend the unfriended. Be willing to befriend the friendless. Be willing to be that person that pursues the person that nobody else pursues. That's what Jesus did for us. And Jesus would like to do that with you. I was talking with some of the guys after the first service out there in the commons, and one of them goes, I had this face come to mind. <laughs> like, who is my difficult person? This is a business guy, right? He goes, I had this face come to mind. I know exactly who it is that I am to warm up. I know exactly who it is. And again, that doesn't mean that we don't deal with conflict. It doesn't mean that we don't talk through things and, and make sure that we have understanding and speak the truth in love. We do all that. But there's a way to do it that can help people become less resistant and more responsive, okay? I believe that there's a treasure chest of love to be unlocked when we pursue and we engage every person. There's a treasure chest waiting to be discovered. There's enrichment that can help you become a better person if you simply find out what this person is made of. So how do we do this? How do we love each other this way? How do we warm one another up so that our weight is easier to lift? How do we give ourselves to one another? I want to close with this passage from Colossians chapter 3. So if you want to turn there, Colossians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Great direction for this to happen in our lives. Here it is, St. Paul writing this. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. So number three in your notes today, harmony is the goal of giving myself to others. Harmony. Harmony which builds up our relationships. I think that we should ask ourselves the question every day, how can I, how can I give myself to the harmony of who I'm going to see today? How, how can I promote harmony in my environment? How can I be the person that um, at the end of the day, uh, we want to get the job done together? Uh, we want to get it done, you know, if you're in business. And Paul tells us what it is. He says, make, each, make allowance for each other's faults. And I would say to you, this isn't about sins. This is about faults or, or you know, things that you fail in sometimes. And I would just like to say, don't focus on the faults, but be grateful for the good. We tell people this all the time in premarriage counseling. Focus on the things you enjoy about your spouse and put up with the rest. That's what we say, and that's true. If you're married, you know. That's the truth. You all have things that you put up with, with your spouse. Live in forgiveness for those things. But um, be grateful for the good and forgive the faults. Leads us to the second thing. Live in an attitude of forgiveness. You know, I think that you should enter life each day predisposed to forgive. Like that's your go-to, that's your bent. Uh, you can expect to be offended. If you're married, you can expect to be offended for sure. Um, but even at work, you can expect for somebody to say the wrong thing, somebody to say something stupid, somebody to be insensitive, somebody to not agree with you. I mean, you can expect to be offended. You can. 
And so go in expecting it, and then you'll be able to forgive more easily, right? Live in that attitude of forgiveness. I work on a staff. We have a big staff, and I work on a staff, and probably half the staff is Gen Zs and Millennials. And I can tell you, being the old guy, I get a lot of eye rolls. Like, I am that old guy. I have finally, I'll be 61 tomorrow, I, can, I finally figured out, okay, I'm the guy that everybody else used to make fun of when I was a kid, you know, in terms of just being older and not understanding some of the stuff of the, of the new generations. Um, and so I expect, I expect it, and I kind of like it, actually. It's kind of fun. I play it. They don't know this, so if you're here, Gen Zs, they don't know that I do this, but I kind of play them a little bit, so... <laughs> I act older than what I really am. You know what I mean? So live to forgive. Live to forgive. And then lastly, here's the last thing. Be committed to accept and to love others as image bearers of God. I mentioned this already. This is so important. You know, it's wrong for us as redeemed people to look at other people as any less than an image bearer of God. And I know we have hang-ups. Everybody has hang-ups. We've got problems, right? We're not perfect. But at the heart of each person is this beautiful representation of our Heavenly Father. You know, a redeemable soul. A spirit that can be reconnected with God. I mean, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And God wants us to pay attention to that. And not only that, but He designed each person uh, to have gifts. And to do great things that he planned for them. It says in Ephesians 2.10 that we're a masterpiece. Recreated in Christ or created by Christ to do the good things that God planned for us long ago. And, and God has good things for every person. And we should celebrate those good things that every person has to do. So harmony and personal growth, those are the goals of, of this exercise, of this conversation today. And harmony is at the top of Jesus' list. The Bible says, you know, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers and sisters who live in unity or in harmony. And, and unity and harmony should be the outcome of Christ being present in our life and the Holy Spirit living in us. Because he, he makes us one. He, he pulls us together, right? So harmony. And then the other thing is, is personal growth. Personal growth should be the goal of each one of us. We should, we should press ourselves to lift more. We should press ourselves to love better than we have before. When I say lift more, I mean just engage people. You know what I mean? And, and press into those more resistant people and um, you know, bring them over, win them over to a great relationship, to a great friendship. I'm not going to be friends with everybody. You're not going to be friends with everybody. I'm not going to be close to everybody. You're not either. Um, but I do believe that we can love each other in a way that can open the door to great great relationships. And I think that's what the world's looking for. So how does this interpret into evangelism? I think that the better we love, I think the more attractive we are. And people want that. People want to be loved. People want to be seen as, as, as good. So Paul said in Romans 12, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Love each other with genuine affection. And so this means when I think of you, I think good thoughts. I was standing out in the commons this morning. I was just watching people come in and, you know, we've experienced a lot of growth in the last year or so. And so there's some, some faces I don't recognize and I would love to meet you if you're here and I haven't met you yet. I would love to do that. Um, but as I was watching people coming in, I was thinking, man, 
I just love these people. I love each one. I'm so glad for each one of you that walks through the doors and who you are, the image bearer that you are. And maybe you don't have a high opinion of yourself, but God does. God has a high opinion of you. He made you. He loves you. He wants you. And so when I saw you walk in today, I was just like, man, I get to worship with all these people who love Jesus. I just love that, man. That's the best thing ever. I look forward to Sundays so that I can be with you, can worship Jesus together. So let me give you a little bit of application and uh, have the band come on up. Come on up, band. Here's some application. This should be in your notes. Here's some things you can try this week. Try one of these out. Here's number one. Take some time to listen to somebody's story. Go find a Thomas. uh, Find somebody and ask them out for coffee. Listen to their story. Secondly, focus on compassion and empathy for somebody's condition. Maybe a difficult person in your life. Maybe try to figure out why they're the way they are. They've probably had some hurt in their life. Um, Are you holding resentment for them? Let it go. Forgive them. We're commanded to forgive one another. Okay, so let go of resentment. I like this one. Write a list of what you appreciate about somebody and then tell them what it is. It feels a little awkward, but it's really fun. You can just say, hey, I was thinking about you. I wrote some things down. Or maybe you can email them. And, but really say it to them with your voice someday, okay? Try to understand and appreciate people's values and views. Remember, everybody has an uppermost. You're not the only one who has values and things you believe strongly about how things should be done. Everybody has that. So try to understand and appreciate that about others. And here's the last one. Just serve somebody. And it doesn't even have to be a difficult person, but serving is a muscle. It's an emotional muscle that we exercise. And when you begin to exercise that that muscle, it'll get stronger and you'll enjoy serving more. So pick an innocuous area. Pick an area that just doesn't mean, you know, like, like there's not a lot of risk. And serve there. Serve there, you know, and just exercise that muscle. Or, or you could pick your difficult person and you could do something nice for them, okay? Especially if it's your spouse. If your spouse is your difficult person, yeah, do something nice for them. They like that. Okay. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray for you. And we're going to worship. This is one more great song to cement this message into our hearts today, okay? Jesus... Thank you today for all the ways that you gave yourself for us. And we stand here today because we have been changed. Like Steve said, we've been turned around. Our life is different. And Lord, we just want to be and become the best we can be. We want people to know there's a God because they've seen us and they've seen you in us. So help us with that, Lord. Help us with the areas we struggle. Help us to forgive. Uh, Help us to give that warmth to people that people need. Help us to um, have a tender heart and compassion for those, even though our own heart has been guarded. God, just help us. And Lord, if you've given us a picture of the person that we are to press into a little bit, God, then give us courage to do that and to do that well. We just thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. All right, let's worship, and I'll come back and say goodbye.